Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history, taken from the definitive AEW Match Guide, as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. And you can find that match guide on WrestlingHeadlines.com. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on a podcast app of your choice and check out all the other great shows we have on the Social Suplex Podcast Network covering all aspects of the wrestling world. My guest for today is one of the co-hosts of Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of New Japan podcasts, and he's also the boss man here at Social Suplex, uh, so I better be on my best behavior today. (laughs) Jeremy Donovan, and we're looking at the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros match for the AAA Tag Team Championships at Double or Nothing 2019. How are you going today, Jeremy? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be on, man. It's been a while since we've been on a podcast together, man. Absolutely. And it's great to have you on this new venture that I'm, I'm going on. It's great to have a lot of great guests from this network, but, you know, having the boss man in. Do I get a, a performance review after this? or? <laughs> yeah, we'll. Uh, so I'll submit the uh, audio to Rich, and me and Rich will sit down and decide how, how it went. <laughs> okay, tough Marcus. <laughs> um, the, the question I ask everyone when they first jump on here, Jeremy, is how did you get into AEW? Well, I think uh, getting into AEW kind of just leads into my, my wrestling fandom. I've been watching wrestling since I was like two years old. And so, obviously, growing up in the 90s, WWE and WCW were the two major promotions. And then uh, as you get older and you realize, like, yeah, this wrestling is, is not all of that. And then you discover stuff outside the world. Yeah, you know, I, you dabble into some Ring of Honor. You find out about this guy called Brian Danielson. You, you watch... Mm-hmm. Uh, TNA Impact, you found out about this guy named AJ Styles, and then you just, the whole wrestling world kind of opens up to you. you. You realize that there's guys in Mexico doing stuff, in Japan. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched pretty much a lot of the major promotions growing up, and then, you know, really getting into, you know, I've kind of been on and off with Ring of Honor, uh, but, you know, obviously watching Ring of Honor, it's the first time I saw Kenny Omega, uh, first time I saw the Young Bucks, saw the Young Bucks in Impact as well, so kind of following those guys journey for a while and then also become a really big uh new japan pro wrestling fan and obviously there kenny had his big rise there the bucks are there they're they're doing stuff in the junior tag division they'd be eventually become the iwgp heavyweight tag team champions and so uh obviously following those guys you know kenny omega becoming my favorite wrestler and then you know 2019 comes and you know these guys are leaving new japan it's like all right what's going on where are they going and then obviously they finally make the big reveal they've started their own promotion so you know I had to follow them and see what was going on yeah that's such a common through line that i'm finding as i do this you know i've had rich on before of course very similar to yourself um imp very similar and myself as well 
you know, that that through line from getting into these guys in New Japan and, and seeing what they're doing there and some of Ring of Honor stuff and them, them launching their own thing and just being excited because you've seen it, you've seen the vision, you've seen what they can do. And it's like, well, let's see what happens when the rubber meets the road. And funnily enough, the match that we're looking at today comes in really early when the rubber hits the road. It's their, their first ever pay-per-view. Um, so as I said, it's the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros at, from Double or Nothing 2019. And just by way of introducing the thing, um, the match, it got 4.75 of the chocolates from Dave Meltzer. Cage match currently has it rated at 8.72. And in the definitive match guide that we put together earlier this year, it came in at 18th. Uh, and as I said, this this is really early on in um, what AEW is looking like. They hadn't launched Dynamite at this point. They had only really been able to promote themselves through YouTube uh, and other various platforms for social media. And this was one of the cornerstone rivalries going into Double or Nothing 2019. Uh, of course, the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks had met before that. Um, they'd wrestled mostly in PWG, but also in the odd other indie outside of that. Jeremy, had you ever caught any of those matches? So I don't think I saw any of their previous matches outside of AEW. I definitely saw like clips from like yeah, some of the PWG stuff and some of the like, the AAA stuff. Uh, I've definitely seen those guys wrestle live before that, not against each other, but yeah, I hadn't seen them wrestle live. These guys were sort of natural rivals in terms of the way they wrestle is, as we'll get into, they've got very similar influences. Obviously, Definitely. that lucha, the lucha influence for the lucha bros, <laughs> yeah. and that's a big thing for that high flying lucha style. Is is what the young bucks sort of really based everything they did off. So, uh, natural natural rivals that that work well together, uh, as we'll see when we get into the match. Now, uh, the lucha brother, of course, the young bucks were always they were one of the people that announced the fact that there was going to be a new promotion called AEW back just on New Year's Eve 2019. Oh, sorry. Tw- yeah, New Year's Eve 2018-2019. Uh, they had that shot in the to- just outside the Tokyo Dome with Hangman and Cody. And the Lucha Bros first appeared in the second press conference that they did. They uh, came up after the Young Bucks gave a, a promo talking about how they wanted to promote tag team wrestling and make tag team wrestling great. Uh, the Lucha Bros confronted the Young Bucks and said, we're going to do just that. Uh, and we're going to be the ones that will help be at the helm of this, not you. And of course, after that, these two sort of started squaring off a little bit on social media, on BTE, and the Young Bucks actually confronted the Lucha Bros at an indie show called The Art of War. And that's where they took the AAA tag team titles off the Lucha Bros. That was in March. And these two built from that, uh, most, as I said, mostly online, mostly on social media. Jeremy, I guess going in, what did you think of the build to Double or Nothing 2019 uh, and then also the build for this match? Yeah, so, I mean, it's very interesting. Like you mentioned, like, yeah, they had no TV at this point. So, literally, they were doing all of this through being the elite and their their YouTube channel um, and just really getting the message out that way. And I think we, we really, really got to stop and think just how impressive – that is for this startup company. And even you, you look back to All In, how they were able to to sell out a 10,000-seat building just by the power of, of YouTube. And now they're getting ready to kickstart this company and launch this big pay-per-view again with just being the elite and YouTube. 
And so it's very interesting that they, you know, you, you find out that that diehard AEW fan base, how how rabid and diehard and loyal they are. This YouTube audience that they've built up throughout the years was able to follow them through and order these pay-per-views and really get the company kicked off. So I think that's was kind of a new kind of approach because, you know, all the industry experts are like, oh, if you, you don't have TV, there, there's no way that you can make it, no way you can sell a pay-per-view, you can have a, a legit wrestling company. And also TV is very important, but it's still very impressive at this early stage that these guys were able to use that YouTube platform to, to launch AEW. Um, and as far as like the build to to this match, I mean, when you have like two great wrestlers, you, you also don't really need that much of a build. It's, you know, you, you just market it, you know, two of the best tag teams in the world and you, and you go to it. So I thought they did a good job of trying to add a little bit of story element to it, adding the, the AAA tag team titles, which we're actually, you know, seeing now on Dynamite kind of reemerge. And it's all funny has, you know, how the AAA title kind of just plays into the history of AEW and the Lucha Bros. <laughs> Um, they kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, the AAA titles kind of pop in and out <laughs> at different right, points yeah. in AEW. They're, at one point, they're invisible, and then they'll stop bringing them out. Then they'll bring them out again six, down, six months down the line. Yeah, and it's just a thing with AAA. You know, obviously, they don't, their tag team titles, their titles in general are, are not that important to them. And obviously, you know, the, the mass versus hair matches are more of a big deal for them than the actual titles. Um, and so they don't they don't really care who's the titles on and so, you know, they, they like putting their titles on, on top, you know, foreigners and to get some buzz and exposure on their brand. Um, so, yeah, interesting move here, putting the, the titles on the Young Bucks so you can set up this rematch with the Lucha Bros. And also, I believe, wasn't that the press conference? Didn't uh, Penta also give Nick or Matt a, uh, the, the, the package pile driver yep, that's on the correct. stage? Yep. Yeah, yep. So, so yeah, yeah, they had a, with... had a confrontation that led south. <laughs> yeah, and you know, one thing too that I forgot about going into this match is that the Young Bucks ha- hadn't really wrestled that much mm. in 2019. So, you know, they had their last Tokyo Dome appearance in, in January. Then they had that uh, confrontation with the Lucha Bros in the, the match where they got the AAA belts in March. And then Double or Nothing was like their third match for mm. the year. So that and also that's in played... May. Yeah, in May. So yeah, they were off a couple months and yeah, that really played in the story. It's like, yeah, Young Bucks, they they, they are the one of the best in the world, but they've had had matches. And you look at the, the Lucha Bros, and those guys had literally had a match like 18 hours before in, in Mexico. And you just look at their 2019, those guys are, you know, all over the place. And, you know, I was um, Mania Weekend uh, in New Orleans in 2018 and just kind of seeing how they those guys operate. Uh, and in uh, New York 2019, those guys, they would be the openers on one show and then the main event on another show, and then the <laughs> openers on another show, and they're literally just like driving from from venue to venue, um, wrestling three to four matches in a day. So I know those Isn't guys had, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys had plenty of ring time coming into this match. Yeah, I was actually just about to mention that that in the promo beforehand, they do sort of a highlights package of the build up that's happened on on YouTube and on social media and at these conferences. And one of the things that they had was, and I'd forgotten about this until I rewatched this, was the BTE skits where the young bucks are like trying to get back into ring shape, and they're like yeah. at this at this at this in this wrestling ring in like a parking lot somewhere outside of like some <laughs> a strip mall or something, and. They're like wrestling these just complete and utter. I wouldn't, or maybe geek. I don't know who they were. We'll call them geeks. We'll say they're geeks. <laughs> yeah, they're <were> geeks. <laughs> just wrestling these geeks, but they're like running into each other and accidentally kicking each other because they're like out of shape. And that's that's one of the things that informs this match as it goes on. Now, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that as we go through because 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how well it did or didn't work, but we'll we'll talk about that as we get going. Uh, as we said, this had a really good video package beforehand to detail those things that had happened for people who hadn't necessarily been subscribed to the YouTube channel, following on Twitter, all the different places that you had to go for this. Uh, but it also sort of emphasised the rise of both of these two teams. You had like videos of the young bucks as they were growing up, wrestling in their backyard on trampolines, kind of going up to the biggest stage and really chronicling, chronicling the rise of these people who'd gone on to now launched their own promotion and had big aspirations for themselves as tag team wrestlers, aspirations that you can't necessarily fulfill in any other wrestling company in the world who don't, you know, most of whom don't see tag team wrestling as being the sort of big deal that I guess the young bucks envisioned it could be. And we're hoping to make it that way in AEW. They've got, you know, big entrances. This is the second last match of the night. Goes on just before the main event, which was Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Uh, big entrances. Uh, I have to say I love both of the team's gear in this for this match. You've got the Lucha Bros in matching black and white, and then the the Young Bucks come out in their sort of white Elvis costumes. <laughs> yeah. Vegas. Makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think these two teams both had just their gear was just really on point. Yeah, the gear looked good. I mean, the overall just double or nothing setup looked great. Big stage, you know, you had the, the big poker chip. It just, it just felt like kind of that classic, like, old school Dota uh, pay-per-view where you, you kind of had the fancy stage. Um, and, yeah, you had, you know, big, you know, pay-per-view stage. The the gears were awesome. I, I also liked the Young Bucks, you know, their Elvis gear. And the Lucha Bros had those kind of like skeleton masks on top of their yeah. r- a ring mask. I thought that looked cool also. Yeah, I feel like that's... Uh... For me, that's the Lucha, my favorite Lucha Bros gear. I think I, I, I kind of really liked Pentagon's Joker one as a once-off, but then when he kept kept wearing, I guess when you pay for these sorts of gears, you probably want to get your money's worth. But when he when yeah. he kept on wearing it, I, it lost its luster for a bit for me. But I love this this particular matchup that they had. Yeah, Penta definitely got his money's worth out of that Joker <laughs> yeah. gear. More than like every week. Yeah, uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both both the gear was on point here. Also, also we got the, the introduction to like Lucha Bros AEW, their first AEW theme, which I thought was pretty cool. Also, yeah, I that was underrated. Like, uh, there's I've heard criticisms of some of the early AEW themes. You know, like the private party one, which was literally just like this is a private party. It just kept on repeating <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. And they had that for a lot of them. Even the Lucha Bros one, they'd have like one little refrain that would be repeating. But I think that's as much a, a factor of Mickey Ruckus being like literally a one-man band and having to put together <laughs> a whole promotion's worth of intro music in right. you know, probably a couple of weeks. And I, I mean, that's just kind of also the, the trope of wrestling music in general. I mean, a, a ton of wrestling teams have like one verse and then it just the chorus just repeats over and over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, these guys just had one line though. So. <laughs> yeah. Lucha Bros, Mexican, Zero Mero, bring it to yeah. the ring. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I like that was one of the ones that worked for me. There were some that didn't, but that was one of the ones that worked for me, I think. Like and and the the atmosphere that it set, it was kind of sinister a little bit. And they felt sinister, particularly Penta. He he is just a master of body language. Uh, yes. and a master of of creating an atmosphere even though he's got a a mask on emoting through the mask and and his demeanor really fit with that sort of more sinister track that 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 had going underneath it you know like a bit of a minor key felt a bit grimy a bit gritty uh, I, I really liked that theme so yeah going into the match the crowd of course very very hot at this stage they've got you know they didn't have a giant following at this point but 
a diehard, absolute diehard following. With that said, they did sell 100,000 pay-per-views, which is pretty good, um, as we've said, from the so uh, it was purely built through social media buzz. Uh, but really hot crowd, lava hot crowd. And, and one of the interesting things that they didn't do um, later on that they did in this match is they had the introduction, but then Rick Knox got on the mic and and said to both teams, it was kind of almost like a UFC thing of, you know, oh, we want to have a clean but hard fight. Personally, I'm glad that didn't continue. Did you notice that when you rewatched it? Did did that stick out to you? Yeah, that, that stuck to me as well. Yeah, because they also they they got both got both teams came to the ring and they did the, Justin Roberts did the ring announcements and they, yeah they turned it over to Rick Knox. It's like, almost kind of like um that referee from boxing and like they did it for like celebrity death match on like, MTV. Yeah. Like I want a nice clean fight. <laughs> Let's get it <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's that's something they do in the UFC all the time. You'll have the two, you know, touch gloves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Expl- yeah. Explain the rules to you in the back. You know. That's it. Want a yeah. Nice, yeah. When it's clean fight. And so yeah. yeah very interesting approach. So you can kind of see here in the early AEW days, they're still trying to figure out exactly yeah. what they want to do, how they want to make themselves different. Also, mm-hmm. something that stood out to me right right, right away was um, Alex Marvez was um, on yep. commentary with Excalibur and JR and just like how not great he was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and weirdly enough, they actually cut to a shot of Tony Schiavone in the crowd, just wearing like an Affliction T-shirt or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, he's not part of this deal yet at this point. So, yeah, and you could tell Excalibur and Jr. They were are both expert commentators, but are still like working out their flow. Uh, and right. even I watched some of the earlier matches in this and. JR was so excited to explain the new tag team rules, how you could have 10 seconds and, and trod all over Excalibur trying to say something else. I think Excalibur was, was explaining how Justin Roberts or one of the, the people in the ring was going to say something. And JR wanted to introduce these rules and they were sort of standing on each other's toes a little bit. So, you know, still feeling each other out, working out how they're going to work together. Not that they didn't do a good job during this match, but yeah, as you said, they're kind of, the whole company is like working out what things are going to look like and how things are going to be. Right. And then, and then you have Marvez just like says random stuff and like, <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you have like guy. dead, dead silence, which, which he'll, he'll say something and there'll be like, yeah. like a 10 second pause. And then JR or Scalibur will jump back in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they put him, they got him in a good spot now. So backstage comment, the roving yeah. backstage commentator. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. The match starts off with uh, Penta and Matt Jackson in the ring. We're not going to go through every move that I, we've got in the match here. Um, but, you know, Penta, I, I love this spot that Penta does where he pulls off the glove, flicks it. In this case, he flicks it to Rick Knox, who sort of catches it and, like, winks at him and shoots a little gun at him. Like, yep, I got you, mate. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And immediately there's the the zero mero taunt, but Matt yeah. Jackson just, like, doesn't let him finish it off. He, he catches his hand, uh, and then they start trading moves immediately. Uh, and then they tag each other out, and then the other two start trading moves. Yeah, you know, with, with the Zero Meadow for Pentagon, again, like, re-watching this, I was just so impressed, like, how over Pentagon mm. was in... Also, you know, I've seen Penta in Indies with a few thousand people, but, you know, a full, you know, 10,000-plus arena on pay-per-view, like, how he owned that room and how over he was with very limited mainstream American... Mm. Um, exposure obviously he was on lucha underground but that didn't really hit a huge audience and then he's you know he did like other random indies obviously mm. there was also all impact. in but he yeah impact but he didn't have that huge you know american exposure mm. 
or he wasn't in New Japan. He didn't have that big kind of following, but yet he was still so over and just controlled mm. the room. Yeah, certainly for myself, I hadn't seen much of the Lucha Bros together. I'd heard of Phoenix as this like high flyer, but I had some friends who absolutely love Lucha Underground, and they sent me a few matches over the years. And, and Penta absolutely stood out as just this guy who had such incredible charisma. And up until I saw him, I'd only really seen luchadors like Rey Mysterio. Because, I mean, most of most of what I've watched in wrestling was WWE. And literally, they have Rey Mysterio and then a bunch of people that they try to just plug into exactly the same role that Rey Mysterio right. has. Uh, and that's no offense to those guys like Kalisto and Sin Cara. You know, they did the best they could. But Pentagon was the first luchador that I saw that was like something completely different, really, uh, and was, you know, this menacing, ser- sinister figure um, who, you know, was almost like he was out of like a horror film. And the first time I really saw him in a live sense was All In uh, and, you know, immediately, as you said, owns the room is able to project and just has a sense of menace and theatrics to all of the moves that he, yeah. he pulls off. Yeah. So as I said, these, these guys trade off, trade a little bit, but then they switch over to Nick and Matt, sorry, Nick and Phoenix. I, I really liked that in, immediately both pairs sort of set up the dichotomy of how they wrestle. You've got Pentagon and Matt who are more power and Matt definitely does the strength and the technical stuff, the setup stuff. Penta is, you know, like really hard kicks and strikes. You've got that dichotomy. And then you've got Matt and Nick Jackson, who are very high flying, very athletic. And and they immediately set that sort of contrast between the two pairs up. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. Yeah, the, you know, the older brothers, the younger brothers kind of paired off and very mm. similar styles. And also, you know, Nick Jackson and Phoenix, man. When they're doing their exchanges and their sequences, it's just like yep. high flying heaven. Uh, you know, Nick Jackson, he, man, he missed out a lifetime in Mexico because that's, that's this guy's doing. Yeah. You know, the big escalera, you know, or corkscrew to the outside, and both of them are just exchanging like these crazy high flying moves. It was awesome. Yeah, that first sequence that they do, I love that they don't hit each other. They're just they're just like constantly evading it. That one goes for a, a big move, the other one does something athletic to evade it tries for another move and then they end up double drop kicking each other and the crowd of course when they yeah, see this goes mind. absolutely berserk <laughs> and what a what a great introduction for phoenix because as we said pentagon introduces himself with just this charisma and theatrics which you know phoenix is no slouch but he's not this on the same level as penta with that but you know this is how penta this is how phoenix gets over um by yeah. immediately just going there and, and blowing everyone's mind of being just whoa what is what is this guy doing <laughs> yeah um, and something we also saw like early on in the match kind of the story that we were talking about earlier with the young bucks you know not having wrestled that much and kind of being off their game a little bit and so we did see some like miscommunication very early on in the match where like mm-hmm. they like, got bumped into each other or they were kind of off a step yeah I was just about to bring that up, actually, because that's like the next sort of thing that happens in this one uh, to set up that into that into story by the Young Bucks is they go for a move, uh, just slightly mistime it. And then they run into each other instead of, you know, I guess in the past, the idea is that they would flawlessly pull off this double team maneuver because they're running at such high speeds and they haven't had much time in the ring. The announcers are saying this is their third match of the year and the lucha bros literally wrestled 18 hours earlier um (laughs) so you know they've got to shake off the ring rust to be able to match it with these guys who are just running hot and and fueled up and ready to go 
just a purring motor at this point. I'm going to be honest. I found this a tad contrived in the way that it was executed. And the reason was I liked the idea in concept, but the problem was they're so flawlessly pulling everything else off. And it's just these moves. And when they go to, they're running into each other. And when they go to do it, it doesn't actually look scrappy or like it's an actual, it looks like it's meant to happen to me. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's just me and I'd be interesting to get interested to get your take on it. It felt too contrived for me, this particular subplot and the way they executed in the ring and the fact they were able to pull everything else off flawlessly for it to be something that I bought into as a story. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like you mentioned, a good idea, but the execution wasn't, wasn't that great. I mean, like you're saying, like they're still doing everything else fine. They're they're doing the more bang bang for your buck. They're doing all their other signature mm. moves fine. It's just a few key moves where they kind of bumped into each other. And it's look kind of clunky and awkward. And it's like it's just, it's didn't come off well. It's like the Young Bucks are one of the best tag teams in the world, and they were only off for a couple months. Like it, yeah. they weren't off for a year or mm. know, a long layover. And so just to, to think those guys would all of a sudden just kind of like lose their their steam and their momentum and their 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 flow mm. over a couple months off. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, like you said, everything else they did was fine in the match. They executed everything great. It was those few, those few spots, and I was like, I get the story, but they're not really sticking with. Like, they should have been more of a struggle. Like, they should have been struggling yep. with like everything. They should have been more off timing. There should have been Matt and Nick should have been arguing with each other. I mean, like, hey man, your your mm-hmm. office, no, your office step, and like there should have been more, a little bit more yeah. frustration if they're wanting to tell that story. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad they didn't lean into it because I think it would have yeah. hurt the hurt the match. That's if true. They, yeah. If they, if yeah. they had played too much to that story, it's a fine it's a fine line, and it could definitely like it could work. It's a concept that I think could work because, as we said, there's four. You know, they're they're operating at a really high pace. There's four people in there, and these there's two people who are trying to like time things perfectly in that situation. It, it's completely believable that if you've been out of the game for even a couple of months that maybe your timing might not be off and it only needs to be off by like half a second. And then all of a sudden you're running into one another. But I think part of it was, you know, they're executing everything else flawlessly. The, the one time I've seen this, this work was AJ Styles uh, accidentally botched a, it was at some tournament. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it might've been ring of honor, but he accidentally botched the flying forearm when he went for it, he slipped on the rope. And then the next match, when he went to go for it, he slipped again. He intentionally slipped again. Uh, and because it was such, uh, it was a shock and it was done so inelegantly, I, I bought into it. And then the the thing that really sold it was the third time he hesitated because in his mind, he was like, I can't make this. I'm not. It had got into his head. And I didn't see that sort of hesitation or anything from the Bucks at any point and it didn't feel like a mistake enough for me if if that makes sense yeah and i feel like it was really focused in at like the beginning of the match and you really mm. didn't see much of it throughout the rest like they had a little miscommunication yeah. at the beginning yeah. and then pretty much from there like yeah. they were hitting everything else perfectly yeah and, and look we're picking we're picking nits here this is this right is, this right is, we're, we're not you know this is a really good match and we're going to get into that um, but I, I, I just wanted to point, pull that out because I, I don't know, for me, I'd forgotten that that was part of this match until I rewatched it. And 
particularly on the rewatch, it just did not, it didn't flow for me. It didn't work for me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill but getting getting on with what else happened it was real you know this match is really back and forth i'd i'd say that the lucha bros probably had the slight edge uh in terms of they were getting a little bit more offense in and that probably actually plays into that plays into that idea as well um you know that i just said that i didn't buy into uh that you know the young bucks are potentially behind their (laughs) opponents by a step or two but each of them each of the teams has some great moments um personally um my favorite one was when the bucks hit the modi the motor city machine guns finisher the made in detroit um the corner powerbomb slice bread combo i love that kind of idea of like a throwback to these guys that uh that had so influenced them and such an integral part to their rise and, and their belief in tag team wrestling when, as we said, their their mission is to make tag team wrestling great. So, of course, they pull out of their back pocket one of the great moves um, from one of the great teams. Jeremy, was there any particular spots that stood out to you as the match went on? Yeah, I'll see the, the manager what stood out to me because I definitely was a fan of the the Young Bucks first machine guns in Impact. And I, I love the more City machine guns and. Uh, Chris Saban was one of my favorites in Impact, so yeah, it was kind of cool to get that kind of shout out there. Um, there was a spot where Pentagon did the like pop up destroyer off of Phoenix's, Phoenix's back to Matt Jackson on the yeah. apron, and then Nick Jackson did a destroyer to Phoenix in the ring. Uh, that was another great spot. You had Phoenix; he did the. That was when they started the destroyer escalation in AEW. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, no, that started when Dustin did one, and then these guys were the first people to one-up it. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you had a, a spot where, like, uh, Phoenix did, like, a crazy, like, springboard, like, super Hurricane Rana thing. Uh, I think he did to, like, yeah. Nick Jackson. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he's so because uh, I had that one noted down as well. So like Nick Jackson is is on the ropes. He's he's been crutched on the ropes, and Pentagon and no Phoenix as he goes to jump to the ropes opposite, he does a back heel to him. He kicks him with the back of his foot and then jumps off the ropes across and soup and Hurricanas Nick off it. it. Just insane stuff, as we said. Like Phoenix introducing himself to the world at this point. <laughs> right. And then uh, Matt Jackson busting out the, the locomotion Northern Lights suplex uh, yep. was a pretty cool spot. Yep. So, yeah, ton, tons of great spots in this match. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the reason, the thing that makes the Young Bucks matches so good and the thing that makes them so successful is how they escalate matches Um, because, like, there's a lot of teams and, you know, we've all been to, to indie shows where they can pull off these spectacular moves um, but it doesn't hit in the same way. And there's lots of people who have all these things in their arsenal but can't build a match like the Young Bucks do. And even though, you know, from the word go, they're still wrestling at a good pace, the way they escalate things and escalate the drama of the match, I think that's like the secret source to what makes the Young Bucks so great and what makes their matches hit on a different level to a lot of the other tag teams out there that, as I said, can pull out 
those sorts of moves. And, you know, as this match really hits its finishing stretch, you get a feel of that escalation and that frenetic energy that's in the ring. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you mentioned, yeah, this, the, their pacing is just so always been so incredible. And, uh, yeah, you know, they kind of start off like they're still doing cool stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of start off slow. And then, yeah, they kind of build that escalation to you're getting to all the crazy destroyers, the cl- the crazy springboard moves, you know, their their, their double sharpshooter stuff, the, the made in Detroit, the, the package pile driver uh, dropkick spot. Uh, combo move that they did also towards the end so yeah it was this kind of slow build and i think you know a lot of people they see the gifts and they're like oh the young bucks are just spot monkeys they just you know they just throw out these big moves but if you watch all their matches there's always a story and there's always kind of an escalation like you mentioned to just this, this kind of crescendo or where they're hitting these big moves yeah i think the ending of this match was sort of signaled by the the double destroyer spot that you mentioned earlier, um, as you said, Penta hits just an insane destroyer on the on the apron, and then they fall off onto the the padding on the outside, uh, and then Phoenix like leaps over the top of the ropes to get Nick. Just you know, as we've said a few times already, mind bending stuff. And then I really liked the Young Bucks pull out another tribute this time to the Lucha Bros. They hit the um, package pile driver stomp combo uh, on Pentagon. That gets a two. Uh, and then they uh, also pull out El Generico's Brain Buster. Um, top yes, yes, Buster. yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember I have that, I have that written down also. Yeah, because that move is – you haven't seen that move in a while. Like Sami Zayn used to kill that in, in Ring of Honor as El Generico. And so, yeah, I, I popped huge that when uh, Matt Jackson did it. It just, it just looks – it looks so gnarly. It looks like he killed Phoenix. Oh, yeah. It's such a brutal-looking move. Like just the way they just – Sheer, well, the uh, sheer drop brain buster, <laughs> top row brain buster, they just drop him. I don't know how you protect yourself on that one. You're, the, you're the former wrestler, John Dewis, <laughs> if you tell me that. <laughs> yeah, Penta does manage to, like, do the arm snap on Matt. Um, don't know if he got the whole thing or not because um, Matt's arm didn't look like it was broken. Um, although it does play into the ending where um, Matt, to set him up for the Meltzer driver, he's he's kind of holding on with one arm and, like, gripping his arm with the arm that wasn't broken, kind of showing that the effect that that had on him. They hit the Meltzer driver, get the three count, and, and that's the end of the match. So what did you think of the sort of the ending stretch there, Jeremy. Yeah, like we were saying, you know, the, the built so well to the ending stretch and just kind of throwing out all these big moves, you know, throwing out the brain buster. They're, they're doing the, the, the package power driver double stomp combo. And both teams are just trying so hard. You mentioned Pentagon with the, with the arm break spot, which he really got over in Lucha Underground as a really dangerous move. And so, yeah, they're, they're throwing out all the big guns towards the end there. Um, and then it was, again, kind of circling back to the story of, you know, can the Young Bucks, you know, do it? And they, they finally get uh, the, the Melter driver pulled off and get the, the big win. So very, obviously, an incredible matchup. And it's a great way to to close off the match and, and get the Young Bucks uh, a win here on the first big pay-per-view. I did uh, something funny that I just thought about was just throughout the match. I don't know if you remember, like, uh, Marvez is talking about, like, the Young Bucks have, like, a new move that they're planning <laughs> to, to use. And... Like they they never did anything new throughout the match. Like they they you know they did the tribute stuff to the like machine guns and Zane and Lucha Bros, but they just they won with the Melter Driver. <laughs> I do remember. I think on BTE they were like saying, oh, they're gonna bring something back or or something like that. But 
you know, they won with the Meltzer driver, which they do <laughs> all the time. So yeah. yeah, I don't know what that was. That was that was a plot thread that didn't get necessarily get picked up. <laughs> I guess wrestlers needed to learn to communicate with the <laughs> commentary on the, on that one. Now, in terms of the actual legacy and the aftermath of this match, so everything about like Double or Nothing 2019 was setting the scene for for something that AEW would realise, being at sort of the start of Hangman's trek up to the main event, which he he started by being in the Casino Royale Battle Royale, um, you know, be it bringing Joshi wrestlers wrestlers into America and and putting and showcasing them in the mainstream in a way that hadn't before. Or even just the way they set up the single stars for the company with Cody, Kenny and Chris, obviously, in the main event, and then Moxley, who debuted afterwards. What do you think this match sort of set up for AEW? Yeah, I think this match kind of laid the foundation for what the vision was going to be for the the tag team division. Like, we're going to have the best tag teams in the world. They're going to be spotlighted. They're going to get a ton of time. They're going to be you know, a semi-main event matchup. And I think that's kind of opened the door to bring in teams like Proud and Powerful and FTR um, and some of the top tag teams around the world, best friends. You know, they've they got to bring mm-hmm. in all these different uh, tag teams and give them spotlight and kind of, you know, lay the foundation, kind of set the bar. Like, this is what you are going to expect from an AEW tag team title match. And obviously this was like the first you know, foundational tag team rivalry as well, because throughout this first run, we're going to see this rivalry kind of expand. They're going to have the the six-man tag at Fighter Fest, which, you know, me and Rich mm. and Josh were live for here in uh, Daytona, Florida, when it was them and Laredo Kid against uh, the Bucks and Kenny. And then that would lead, you know, eventually to them facing again at All Out in the Escalera de la Muerte ladder match uh, for the AAA tag titles. And then now, you know, we fast forward, we see that that rivalry got reignited again when the Lucha Bros got the titles from the Young Bucks um, in the Steel Cage match. Mm. Um, so we just kind of see that 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 thread and that rivalry just kind of being the, yeah. the centerpiece of the AEW tag division. And now it's something they could always go back to. You don't they don't really need to do a long build. I mean, at any point, they could always shift back. And you could also because I mean, also right now the Bucks are heels. You know, the Lucha Bros are the faces, but once again, you could always switch the dynamic back. Yep. You can always do another title match. There's always ways that you can always mm. do something to bring those guys back together. And it'll always kind of be the, the foundation. You'll have this history from the first pay-per-view. Mm. You could even, I don't know how this would ever work out, but I always love it sometimes when like something happens and rivals band together. So I don't know if like, one day FTR does something dastardly, you know, like the natural enemy of both of these teams is FTR because of the styles clash they both have. You know, I could see these guys doing something together, maybe even against FTR, who knows? Um, And, you know, actually now I've said that um, FTR and Lucha Bros tag teamed up against, (laughs) against the Young Bucks and Hangman and Kenny last year in 2020 when they were you know and they're having that stretch just after ftr debuted so yeah, yeah. this this one's like sort of dotted throughout this rivalry's dotted throughout the history of AEW now yeah and also there was the uh you know the nick jackson and phoenix match yep. on dynamite yeah uh and i think that was in 2019 uh, that was, yeah, it was 2019. Yep. Yeah, and so again like you could always do stuff like that i mean you could also have you know you could, you could do like a random thing where like 
the younger brothers team up against the older brothers. Like, there's a ton of stuff that they can still <laughs> that would be, do. That would be very <laughs> random. That would be that. That's the most random of them all. I think. Jeremy, I don't know if I'd buy that one, to be honest. <laughs> hey, you never know. At some point down in the future, yeah. you could have there could be some arguments. And yeah. Although you inside. did have like all those random matches earlier this year in earlier 2021, where it was like Pentagon and Eddie. Uh, and and then like Pack and Phoenix against the Young Bucks, <laughs> but until right, they actually got to the actual Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks. And that and that's something fun they could do for like Dark. I don't know if they would actually yeah. do it, but you know, right now on Dark, there's a lot of random stuff happening. You have you have Cody wrestling as yeah. uh, Fuego two, Daniel Bryan's <laughs> wrestling as Infinito. So like they're doing a lot of random stuff on Dark. So why not? You know, do you know do Matt and Penta versus Nick and Phoenix. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll leave those, those combinations there. I think. <laughs> um, in, in terms of like the other tag team matches that came in the definitive countdown when the voting came in, uh, this was behind uh, obviously the Bucks versus Kenny and Page, which was the top match um, for the definitive match guide. Uh, came in behind the ladder match, the parking lot fight, and the Bucks versus Eddie and Mox. But it was ahead of um, Starks and Cage versus Darby and Sting. It was ahead of the Brody Lee tribute match between hangman john silver and alex reynolds versus mjf and proud and powerful uh and it was also ahead of arcade anarchy do you think uh that's sort of a fair place for it to slot in terms of the legacy of this match against the ones that are behind it and the ones that are in front of it yeah i think that's a pretty fair uh spot for it i mean these guys definitely outdid each other every time they wrestle each other you know you look mm. at the 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 ladder match and you look you fast yeah. forward to the cage match like yeah i'm, I'm sure every... the cage match when we redo the voting <laughs> next year i'm sure that cage match is going to rank very highly right yeah. it's like every time these guys they've always kind of went up each other every time we wrestled so i think it was a good spot for like we mentioned like there was still like very like nitpicky stuff a while like that it wasn't probably a full five-star match for some people with the mm. whole story with the young bucks you know trying to mm. get their groove back or whatever and just some small stuff and so i mean it's still it's still one of the best matches in the promotion's history mm. and like i mentioned the kind of that foundational tag match we saw a lot of teams kind of take that challenge to to outdo that match mm. i feel like it fits in there the one that stands out to me is the the bucks versus eddie and mox i really like that match uh but i do think it benefits a little bit from the voting happening very soon after it uh, after it happened and it also being the return of live crowds uh, in yeah. terms of the way the crowd was reacting to it. Uh, I think on in hindsight, we may find that that one might be ranked a little bit high, more highly. I haven't revisited it yet. And, you know, you won't find a bigger Moxley fan than me. Um, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do, if there's one that I think may end up swapping pay, places, it might be that one. The other one as well might be the Bucks versus SCU. Um, the, mm the career ending match, which is one that slipped under the radar uh, a little bit. It ended up much higher on the match guide list um, in terms of it was a lower, lower positioned, but higher number. Um, uh, and I think on review, that one might, that one could creep up on us, I think uh, if, if anything, but uh, that's for, that's for another podcast potentially. And, and in terms of, as you said, lots of other tag teams sort of grabbed the ball after these guys displayed their wares. One of the things I wanted to bring up just to sort of bring things to a close is that, you know, despite these two teams being the leaders of the division in the pre dynamite era, as you said, they had that, they went on to have that six man match with Kenny and Loretto kid. And then they also had the ladder match at all out. Both teams sort of took a back seat 
a little bit when Dynamite kicked off. You know, the Bucks very famously got beaten by private party early on and the Lucha Bros got beaten in the finals of that tournament. Uh, and then sort of, if anything, eventually like disbanded almost um, and, and were apart for quite a while, sort of teaming with different people. I'm not sure how much the pandemic had to do with that. I know there was some injuries sprinkled in there. Um, but with with hindsight, how do you feel about these two teams that were sort of the, the front runners and the leaders taking a bit more of a back seat once Dynamite kicked in? Yeah, I definitely thought it was a little bit of an interesting approach because, I mean, the, those were the two teams that were built all throughout the beginning of the company pre-Dynamite. So you would think that at least one of those teams would be the first tag team champions. And mm. I don't know, personally, if it was me, like I'm, I'm fine with the Bucks losing the private party and, you know, mm. pulling that upset and giving private party some juice. But I really feel like they should have probably made the Lucha Bros the mm. first AEW tag team champion, especially since they ended up winning the Escalier de la Muerta ladder match. Like mm. that should have been the momentum they needed to kind of stream, uh, steamroll through the tournament and win and be the first tag team champions and kind of be kind of the cornerstone team since they beat the Young Bucks in kind of that, that feud-ending match for that for that time period. Um, so to put it on SCU, it was kind of interesting. And I get it. I mean, SCU was one of the popular acts on BTE, and mm. they were kind of a, a big part of that initial, you know, elite universe. Mm. But now you look back at it now, you look back at their reign, and I mean, yes, they had some good matches, but I don't know. I felt like it, things probably could have been a little bit better if you had Penna and Phoenix kind of carrying the ball, the tag division for the the beginning of Dynamite. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same when I'm thinking about it because one of the best early matches that Kenny and Hangman obviously had was against the Lucha Bros. And, right. and it, I feel like they may have been a little bit of a better obstacle for Kenny and Hangman to overcome to sort of win these titles. You know, these particularly given that um, one of the big tensions is Hangman's feeling that he isn't as good as the Young Bucks and as good as Kenny. Uh, and the fact that this is the team that beat the Young Bucks, how, you know, can Hangman beat these guys? That would have been a, a nice and interesting bit of narrative there. Uh, and yeah, as you said, if you look at where these teams have ended up, it, it, I do feel like the Lucha Bros could possibly have been served well and the vision may have been have worked out better uh, if it was if they were the initial focus as champions early on after that obviously the tournament was a was a priority at first but after that happened I did feel like the tag team division was kind of on the back burner a little bit uh, and and part of that could have just been because you know they had SCU doing it who weren't necessarily as hot as say the Lucha Brothers could have been particularly when you've got someone who's just like so charismatic in Pentagon and someone who is so spectacular in Phoenix they're just a very eye-catching duo because of how they complement each other yeah and I feel like SCU like their popularity was kind of waning a little bit mm, yep going that's a into- perfect way to put it yep yeah, going into the start of AEW, because I mean, for them, I feel like the peak of SCU was definitely that the ending of, of Ring of Honor, you know, 2018, mm. um, that 2018 run, SCU was super hot, and, you know, this is the worst town, yeah. you know, that was super over, and but yeah, I felt like that was kind of falling off kind of as Dynamite was starting up, so mm. like, yeah, like you mentioned, I felt like, you know, the tag titles and the whole tag scene wasn't really that much of a focal point leading into Dynamite and going into Dynamite after the tournament. But then things pick back up once Kenny and Hangman 
get the titles and we see like the incredible matches that Kenny and Hangman have and just the focus they brought back the tag division mm. um and then obviously drop into FTR and then as since mm. then I just felt like the tag titles are also like a key part of Dynamite now mm. the tag division is so important and then you get also you get the FTR Young Bucks and obviously the Bucks have been the champ or champs for the past yep. year and then they finally lose them to Lucha Bros and now mm. uh Lucha Bros are getting ready to feud with FTR yep. so I definitely think you know that that beginning, they're still trying to find their footing on what the tag division was going to be. But then once they got it to to Hangman and Kenny, like the thing just like hit a whole another yeah. gear. And obviously, like long term, everything's worked out perfectly. Like, I think right. the Young Bucks are far better as heel champions, and their run was just incredible that they they had this year. Uh, and if they'd potentially taken the titles straight away, I don't think it would have worked. I think that was a great decision to to not do that. And the Lucha Bros did feel super hot when they did finally win it as well. So, look, you know, we're armchair quarterbacking here, but who knows what our little tinkering with time would have had, what ramifications that would have had long-term because I wouldn't trade that I wouldn't trade that cage match for very – I'd trade that for very little. Um, right, exactly, yeah. You know, even just the presentation of the Lucha Bros coming out in their in their Aztec gear it felt just so big and, and so, uh, so momentous for them, uh, which maybe would have been devalued if they'd already been champions. So, yeah, look, who knows? Who knows? Um, that's, that's all the questions I've got for you, Jeremy. Is there anything you'd like else you'd like to add about this match before we wrap things up? I mean – Again, if if you if people are listening to this and they have not watched this match ever, or, or maybe they haven't watched it in a while, I would definitely say it's worth going back and rewatching and just seeing how awesome this match was and just how mm. this kind of kicked kicked off the the tag division, like we said, and also to just just the feel of Double or Nothing compared to mm. like how AW feels now. Like I feel like that show, even though it was still obviously a big pay per view and kind of a big mm. more of a high league promotion type of show there was definitely a very indie like spirit or feel yeah, to that oh, show yep. in that crowd and obviously the AEW crowds are still awesome today but there was something about the double or nothing crowd in the atmosphere it, it felt more similar to all in which i was able to go to and like all mm-hmm. in is like one of the best crowds i ever like best show i've ever been to like there was just something about that atmosphere that was just so different than any show i've ever been to and I feel like Double or Nothing had a kind of the same vibe. And then mm. as Dynamite and shows get kicked off, I think, I don't know, something shifted and it kind of shifted more into like a, a mainstream type of feel. But Double or Nothing definitely had that very still kind of indie, us versus the world kind of mindset and field. Yeah, felt like felt like you were part of the a movement. I mean, that's what Cody said after All In, right? He said it feels, right. this feels like a movement. Uh, and I think, you know, for people who bought into it, such as yourself, such as myself, really, like it, it did feel like you were traveling along with these guys. And obviously you're not the one wrestling, but it did feel like you were a big part of this and, and less so now. Um, you know, not that being a fan isn't great. Being a fan, we've just spent like an hour talking about one match. It's, you know, <laughs> it's great being a fan of AEW at the moment. But I understand what you're saying. It's it's minorly different, but I, I think, I mean, I think Double or Nothing 2019 is 
is almost required prescribed viewing for any potential oh. AEW fan. Like if you've been <laughs> watching AEW for, for a few months and really enjoying it, this is something you should definitely go back and watch because as I said, everything they did in this mat in this card was to set things up for, for what would happen down the line. And it, it is such a historic moment for the company uh, even though they are, as we've said, trying to find their feet, trying to they're trying a few things that don't necessarily stick and, and maybe don't hang on. And, you know, you might see a Joshi wrestler there that you never see again. And you're like, oh, isn't that random or, you know, right. something, <laughs> something yeah. Bret Hart, Bret Hart shows up and never shows up again. <laughs> but, right. You know, but uh, it's it's such an important it's such an important landmark with, as you said, the success of it. Um, even though they only built it on social media, essentially on their YouTube channel and on the being the elite YouTube channel, Twitter, obviously, and, and, and what they could do outside of that. But mostly it was social media built and they set, they sold a hundred, they sold a hundred thousand pay-per-views and they sold out a 10,000 seat arena for a second time, like in, an incredible success for the company and not yeah. something that, that people thought could happen. Like the joke, that kicked all of this whole thing off was Dave Meltzer. Like the people that everyone thinks is the, the great shill and the great cheerleader, him saying that it'd be impossible for any company that isn't WWE to sell 10,000 tickets in North America. And Cody saying, I'll take you up on that bet and doing it twice. Like, you know, <laughs> right. it, it was an unprecedented success and it's definitely something that's worth watching and going back to see. Yeah, and it's also just worth watching too because AEW rewards their fan bases for for sticking around the long haul. Like mm. they reward you for being a long time viewer. Like we mentioned, there's a lot of stuff set up on the show that if you watch this and then you you look forward, there's a lot of stuff set up. And like mm. the Young Bucks Lucha Bro feud that just happened, I feel is definitely enhanced for the long time viewer who mm. saw this initial feud. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely go back and catch this match if you haven't. Uh, I feel like I say that at the end of every single episode. <laughs> I have to put out the, that on the banned phrases list for here at AEW Match Guide. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that here, pal. Anyway, Jeremy, tell the good people where they can find you. Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. Like Sam said in the beginning of the show, I am one half of Keeping It Strong Style. You can follow that at ki strong style on twitter and you know you can find us every week on the social suplex podcast network keeping a strong style drops late tuesday night early wednesday morning uh, eastern time we're covering obviously everything in the world of new japan pro wrestling i um, not sure when this episode will be coming out but uh will probably be maybe into wrestle kingdom season so obviously uh, a lot of great stuff to follow. we got three uh, Wrestle Kingdom shows this year, so we'll be doing a ton of previews and getting hyped up for that. Yeah, if my schedule is right, Wrestle Kingdom is, like, just around the corner. It's about two weeks away, so <laughs> definitely <Nice>. jump on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Any any chance of AEW guys showing up there? <laughs> well, <laughs> the forbidden actually, door being opened. <laughs> actually, I, I did. I, I have heard rumors from one of my sources that there are there could potentially be some involvement, uh, at least from one guy, Ooh, if, 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 if things work out with... Very interesting. With, well, with I'll mark that in. down. I'll mark that down. I'll hold <laughs> you to it. Two months, two and a half months' time. We'll see what shows up. Anyway, thank you very much for, for jumping on here today, Jeremy, and, and thank you for hosting me on the network. I really appreciate it. Uh, as I've said um, at the end of every single episode, 
if you've enjoyed this, please rate and subscribe it. That really helps. That really helps us out here. And come and hit me up on Twitter. You can find me, Sir underscore Samuel, uh, and tell me what you thought of this match. Tell me what you thought of the early AEW Double or Nothing, and, and what you made of it if you were there at the time, or if you've gone back and rewatched it. What you thought since? Uh, and also tell a friend. Tell a friend about the podcast. Get them involved. Uh, I'd love to have as many people on this bus as possible. Uh, but until I see you next time, next week, we are doing Reho versus Serena Deeb from Double or Nothing 2021. So two years in the future from this match that we've looked at today. But thank you very much for listening. I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide podcast enjoyed the show then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode also feel free to let me know on twitter at sir underscore samuel i'd love to hear from you the AEW match guide podcast is brought to you by the social suplex podcast network where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW but all parts of the world of professional wrestling Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.